Welcome to They Thought I Was You, the podcast where we recontextualize our childhood obsessions with the Olsen twins, Mary-Kate and Ashley. I'm Becca Roth. I'm a writer-director. I'm Lanny Harms. I'm a writer and actor. And this episode, we are starting from the very beginning of how Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen got their start in show business from babies who could barely open their eyes to billionaires. Millionaires. <laughs> Millionaires. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Billionaires. Five-year-old. Five-year-old millionaires yes <laughs> quadrillion billion jillionaires because <laughs> the billionaires they own the world at five years old they own my world and my heart and that's why we're doing this yeah we are we're here to validate you thank you so much and by you she means me rebecca sarah roth <laughs> so let's do it <laughs> I would like to just like say up top that a lot of the information that we get we, that we got from this research researching this episode was from the Mary Kay Nashley celebrity profile and the H1 driven documentary because that is still on YouTube. Yeah. Okay, let's get into it. Do you want to yes. tell us what, what happened with them? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to go right back to 1986. Um, they were born June 13th, as we all know, 1986. And when they were six months old, as the story goes, Jarney was with a friend and... Um, Jarney is their mother. Yes, excuse me. Jarnet, <laughs> also known as Jarney Olson, mm-hmm. a former ballet dancer. She was with a friend who had her children um, as child actors and they had an agent. So Jarney just went to meet their agent. The agent was like, send me some home photos. And they sent just like some old photos just of just them hanging out at their house. And... Um, from there, the agent said, let's work together, sent them on the casting call to Full House. And basically, that was that was it. They didn't c- cry in their audition, which the audition was just basically, I guess, a bunch of babies yeah. in this uh, Jeff Franklin, the creator, and Joel Zwick was the director, just in their office, just having babies call around, twin babies everywhere. Yeah, and when they talk about it, it was just like, oh, first of all, they actually have footage of the babies, and they're just like, oh, like, we weeded them out so quickly, like, if anyone cried, if anyone drooled, and I'm like, yeah, they're babies, though, like, even if they're not gonna cry in this office, like, they will yeah. cry. I don't, it was just, like, so, it, it just seemed like such, like, everything that happened with them seemed like such happenstance of, like, they happened to, like, talk to the friend with the agent, they happened to go on this one audition, it was the only audition yes. they ever went on. They happened to not cry. I mean, they were adorable little, like, they were adorable babies. Um, yes. But, like, that was one of the first things where I was just, like, seeing all these babies crying, crawling around. And I'm just like, I don't, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but, like, I don't think that babies are supposed to be on TV. Like, I just don't think that, no. like, I just yes. think that's really I was bad. thinking that same <laughs> if you're thing. A baby. Because they kept they they do talk a lot about like the director and the creator was saying that like you know labor laws at that time you had to have twins in order to have double the time right. that you could have them because there were a lot of strict rules on how long they could be on set under the lights all of that and and it, it was just kind of like well at least 
they made that rule, but right, but like <laughs> it's not much better. Like you're still a baby with a job. Like you're he... still like a fucking literal baby yeah. with a career. You're a baby with a career. Like that's so weird. It's so weird. It just there's a lot of things that just seem very strange because then they get the job, obviously, as we know, and um, they go into filming. And, well, guess what? The crying starts. Right. They start getting taken away from, like, when the mom will take them to set. And then as soon as they take them, we'll take, we'll take them to the stage. And then as soon as they get on set to start filming, the babies start crying because they're leaving their mom. Right. And the director and producer ask the mom to just disappear. That was, like, the most the saddest thing like it was basically like oh they would cry they'd get separation anxiety anytime they left their mom so we just had to make her go away and they brought in this like fake mom basically who like later in interviews they talk about as like she was basically our mom because like being reminded that they were being yanked out of their mother's arms was too traumatic so they just like made it all go away yeah and and this woman so the woman that they got to be their baby wrangler adria later um she in this interview is like it breaks the fantasy to see their mom so you have to keep the fantasy alive the whole time and it's it, again i can't i just can't keep i keep going back to if they had these rules these child label law rules was no one thinking about the psychology of like what this their actually does well-being to yeah, the babies exactly i'm cu- i'm just curious how many times that they have had babies on sets before i know that there are other shows that had babies but it just this seems unusual well they did say actually that this was the first like network sitcom where they actually had a baby as like a, a regular character um, that's true it was very much like whatever you gotta do for the show like it's like everything is in service of this this television show and that was the most important thing like the human beings were who were being affected didn't matter they were the only people in the show who were there without any consent and that's like really like the i yeah i agree i don't know that there was any like psychological consideration but the fact is like these people behind this television show who are like not like child psychologists or like teachers or anything they are literally in charge of like shaping these babies lives from the most early parts of their lives and it's like a huge social experiment because it's never been done before and it's just like that's that was that's what was hard when I was watching the driven documentary because it was like done in the early 2000s so that the people who were being interviewed who were from full house just had no awareness of it like they were just like and like john stamos like wanted them to get fired because they couldn't get through a take without crying and then they tried to replace them with other babies who cried worse because they're all gonna be babies like they're not like little. they tried to replace them yeah i read an article i didn't know that they tried to replace them with these like they said they were like ugly redheads i don't know why they said why they (laughs) said that so mean i know they're babies i know but they're like we tried to replace them with these ugly redheads but they were just just as bad as the other dumb babies and i was just like they're babies like i was just thinking about i was just like a baby would never I don't know, like you can't work in like a coal mine. Like you would never put your baby in. I just think especially in that time, like the entertainment industry, just like because there was such like like mystique and glamour around like Hollywood and the entertainment business and like being a celebrity or whatever, like all of that, like you didn't treat it's like any like human like 
contracts of how you should treat a human normally like went out the window and I think that's like yeah a whole other thing about celebrity too but just like within the show too um yeah yeah it's just like really upsetting and yeah and so within that all this very upsetting first year of uh of filming that they had and how difficult that it was um at the end of that first year um Jarney Miss Jarnette Olson kind of starts to say I don't think we're going to come back for season two, which totally legit. And like major props to Jarney. God, I wish I could find more information about her. Uh, We can talk about that later. But I'm like dying um, to know about their parents and like their relationships with their parents and like. Yes. But like in Jarney's journey, especially because she's the one who like really made this all happen. She started the fire. So she kind of, she tells this, this is what Adria says in one of the documentaries that Jarney tells her that, um, I don't know if we're going to come back. This is a little bit too much. And then Adria later, their baby wrangler tells the executives, Hey, we got to make this woman's life a lot easier so that they can stay around. And, and it kind of sounds like they talk to her and basically offer her anything she wants full-time nannies a driver to the studio um i was watching one youtube commenter about like this era of mary kate and ashley who really like dug into that decision jarney made like i guess money will just buy your kids away from you like shame on you mom and i just like need to push back on that even though like i don't know this youtuber at all (laughs) but i really need to push back on that because jarnet was the mother of four kids Mm -hmm. in los angeles was a former ballet dancer that leads me to believe she didn't have a job she was a full-time mom yeah and with four kids like she just had a brand new baby elizabeth olsen who we'll talk about we will talk about at the time lizzie olsen i still know her as that but uh, we all do lizzie olsen and then her older brother trent olsen so they have a toddler and a brand new baby and if you are you have four kids in los angeles as a uh a woman who living uh, in a family living on one uh, income. I'm pretty sure the dad like worked in mortgage or something. Yeah. Like probably had a good job, but just like you know, yeah. not not a crazy uh, rich stockbroker or whatever right. is a fancy job. You're gonna take the help, like yeah. and yeah, this, your kids are making a lot of money, and you're gonna take it. Yeah. And if when people are just like follow, like oh, you need nannies, we'll give you. Full-time nannies. You need a driver. We'll give you a driver. How do you turn that down as a mother? Yeah. I just, No, that is really true. I actually, I hadn't thought of it like that because I think I, like, I kind of, like, I mean, I I think it's just sort of, like, the go-to way of thinking that is, like, oh, anyone will do anything for a quick buck. But you're right. It's, like, she had to survive and raise her kids. Um, Yeah. I, I think the conflicting hard thing that I saw in it was just, like, she clearly, like, her gut was telling her, like, this yeah. doesn't feel right. And, like, she didn't. Like, that's what that's what's sad to me. That's because, the sad part for sure. Yeah, because it's, like, yes, like, of course she had to take up those offers. It was, like, too good to be true. And, like, mm-hmm. she needed that. Um, but I think choosing that against what she felt, like, was best as a mother, I think, must have been really, really hard. I um, think so. And it's yeah. kind of like letting your power over – to it's leave it's it's giving your power away to 
these executives. Yeah. And I it seemed I don't know much about the dad, Dave Olson, um, but he does show up in all of these documentaries and Jarney doesn't. Yeah. And I really feel like there's gotta be a reason for that. So I do wonder what kind of pressure she was feeling just between the two of them, if he was just like you know, seeing this as a great opportunity um, while she was, like, feeling like this really doesn't feel right. Yeah, I mean, they did split up in 1995, and I, like, obviously, like, we don't know shit about these people, but, like, I it does, like, it, I do wonder, like, yeah, you're right. It I, does seem I like, feel like it's very different. Like, when you when I look at the interviews, it was just, like, five different, like, white man executives and producers and everything, and he was just kind of, like, mm-hmm. indistinguishable from all of them to me. Like, they, he was just, like, one of them. Yeah, honestly, honestly. Yeah. And it, it feels like no uh, surprise that their divorce coincides with the end of Full House, too. Yeah, I know. I want to so. know. I want to know about that without, like, prying into these people's lives. Yeah. Like, I just, like... I, is, I absolutely respect their privacy yeah. and good on them for not putting it all out there. But there's obviously a story there. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just... And so this is a very pivotal moment as well, just because... They give them all of these new perks to keep to keep them around because I think they knew that the show was not going to last. It was going terribly. The ratings yeah. were bad. Yeah. <laughs> so the show was not going well, and I think they knew that they needed those babies. Yeah. Because this was also the part of the documentary that you had mentioned before where they make the decision to raise babies on screen, and no one has ever done that before. Yeah. So I do wonder, I feel like it ha- I have seen shows where, like, they have a baby and then, like, in future seasons, it's an older, like, child actor. Right. But it's not, like, they're not in every episode. They're not, like, one of the central characters. Like, Michelle was just as big a character as Uncle Jesse. Like, it, it, it's not like the baby was a prop. Like, she was a real character. And I don't right. think that it's ever been done like that. Speaking of, in terms of, like, raising babies on set, um, at one point, uh, Jeff Franklin, like, talks about how, like, Mary-Kate, like, had her first step on set and, like, all of that, and they're like... Ash and Mary-Kate, literally, we had to watch them grow up on Full House. It was determined we were going to raise those girls on camera, which is the first time that anybody has ever attempted to do that. We tried to keep track of what was going on in Ashley and Mary Kate's lives. All of their first, you know, managed to show up on that show. Their first words, their first steps, those big milestones in a little kid's life we put into the show. Okay, I don't know how well you know the Truman Show, but like when <gasps> Ed Harris is like, we watched you take your first step and blah, blah, blah. And he's all like dreamy and whatever. And we're like, we know this is fucked up up and like that's what it reminded me of like we were there oh my god right i i I got goosebumps i literally (laughs) never thought about i never made the the comparison to truman show oh my god but it absolutely is right because that that thought was like swirling through my head it was kind of like they saw that this show was tanking and they decided to save it by putting a social experiment on network television that is literally can we like distill that for a second and like silence like that is exactly it it was like yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. it. Like this show was failing and so they sacrificed these babies lives. Yes. Against their will cuz they didn't have a will because they were babies. Uh-huh. And they did a social experiment on television like the Truman show. Mary Kate and Ashley's life is the Truman show. What a no. nightmare. 
Oh no. It's so bad. It's uh, this is so upsetting. This is the part that we I mean, it gets even more upsetting from here, but sadly. Like, no, but it's like I that that's the piece of it that I don't think I fully grasped as Me like neither. a big fan of theirs. I was even as I was watching it, I was like is it okay that I love them? Should I just leave them the fuck alone? Like, is it okay yeah. that I'm a fan? Like, yeah. is it okay that we're even doing this? Like, <laughs> well, at this point, we have to. Yeah, because have to. especially just seeing the way that, like, people have treated Mary-Kate and Ashley and in the same spirit of framing Britney Spears, yes. like, this is this is a time to start re-examining what, what we've done to celebrities, to female celebrities, what how we judge them and why we're doing it in that way yes so i just don't think you a recontextualizing mary kate nationally and not just like perpetuating what's already out there like this is very different no we really need to re-examine what was done here because it's all still out there that's the thing every piece of research that we found is all stuff that is available online we are not like (laughs) we don't have any exclusive sources here oh yeah there's like video there's like many video interviews of them as like literally two years old i've been on full house for ever Oh my God, Becca, I have every link to all of the videos that I could find on this document and we will share it in the show notes. And then there's also the riding the bike anecdote. (gasps) And this is where their dad, Dave, again, again, I watched these documentaries when I've I've seen them before and I wasn't able to contextualize how deeply sad that this this was as a teenager, but I can now. And Dave Olson, their dad, says that he watched Dave Coulier teach his daughter how to ride a bike. They both are in the episode of learning to ride the bike. You're not going to let me go, right? No way. Not until you say so. Okay, let's do it. That kind of made me feel bad because usually that's something that you go through with all your kids. You know, you're pushing him, running along behind, you know, and trying to hold him and then let him go. Let go! That was a remarkable episode for us because we were watching real kids trying to learn to ride a bike. Michelle, I am so proud of you. You did it all by yourself. Uh-uh, Jody, I did it with you. The look on their faces of sheer and utter joy at being able to do it, to accomplish that feat, was truly remarkable. That was more of a moment that kind of just didn't feel so good for me, just the fact you couldn't participate in that. The producers are all talking about how a real kid learned to learn a bike on television, and then we hear Dave Olson say, yeah, that didn't feel so good for me. Just the fact that you couldn't participate in that. Ugh, I know. Like, that's so fucked up. Like, that they were just like, that the producers were like, look how cool this is. Like, they were they were br- like saying it was great that they were brought up on TV, basically. And yeah. Like, I mean, I just, re- I, I was thinking just like, I wish that, I wish that he had taught them how to ride a bike before or something, like before that episode. Yeah. But I think they wanted to get the authentic learning of it. Yeah. And how how messed up is that? That's so like, messed up. It's 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 just seeing a child's life in value in terms of money and ratings and not yeah. in terms of like sacred. Yeah. Yeah. It is really like I even like going back a little bit like when I was watching the documentary and they showed pictures of them as like literal babies like right before 
they got an agent and like got on full house and i was like god this like was almost just like a random normal family with like kids and like when i looked (laughs) at the pictures i was like that's so crazy this family their babies are mary kate nashley like they're clearly mary kate nashley you know they're not just like normal babies but like they would have been they would have just been like anonymous babies and like it's just like the life the parallel life that they just didn't get to have and it's just yeah it's sad and like also just watching the footage of them like on set being little kids it's like their childhood just wasn't it must be so weird for them to think about their childhood because it just wasn't real it was like yeah a fake version of it (laughs) like yeah because because just to like (laughs) make this even harder their plan worked yeah. Because after season two, after they made this decision to like, like everything that we're talking about, like the ratings started skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were also put after who's the boss. I don't know if that's a part of the equation. Probably. But, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's like the, the family kids block. But yeah, like then they at that moment, then because they decided to use them as the thing that would make this show like catapult. They became essential to the show and had all of that pressure on them. Yeah, to keep the show they alive. The whole show. Mm-hmm. So, like at the same time that your childhood isn't real, you also have all the same pressures of an actual adult actor like Bob Saget. Yeah, yeah. Like he couldn't do it, so now you have to carry the show. Oh my god, I didn't think of it like that. That's like really dark and sad <laughs> and hard. Yeah. Oh man it's a lot when I was doing research I saw um a quote from Mary Kate from Marie Claire from 2011 where she was like I wouldn't wish my child on my childhood on anyone we were like little like performing monkeys girl I'm right there with you that was the last (laughs) quote I had on my note sheet yeah (laughs) it was September 2010 issue of Mary Claire Mary Kate says we were little monkey performers and I wouldn't wish my upbringing on anyone but then the interesting thing is after that she says something like but at the same time I wouldn't trade it and that's why I think there was something in their 20s where I feel like they started going to therapy or something and just like started oh, yeah. processing all of it. Like for me, it's like the fact that they like blatantly rejected Fuller House, like didn't even answer the offer, like yeah. have like just dramatically distanced themselves, like have started, have stopped acting, like all of that. Like I really think it's one of those things where it's like you realize when you're older that you have this like toxic family and you have to like you have to like Mm -hmm. set up really intense boundaries i'm glad that we're taking a microscope to um all of these different years of their life because i think by the time we get there (laughs) to their 20s i think it's a lot is going to make sense yeah when it's been so mysterious for so long yeah which yeah which even now it's like obvious that they left i think it's the kind of thing where it's like when you actually look at it in a microscope like nothing could possibly make more sense when it's when you're just thinking of them like oh mary kate and ashley why are they why are they aloof why are they elusive why are they weird like why are they out of the spotlight whatever it's like all of it does make so much sense. It's the same as Britney Spears. Like, when she had, like, her meltdown in 2007 and everyone's like, why is she being crazy? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, if you actually look at it, and the Framing Britney Spears documentary did a yeah. perfect job at this. If you actually look at it, like, of course all of that happened. Like, it make, it could not make more sense. Mm-hmm. And I think this will, I think our research will, like, help 
uh, uncover those mysteries around Mary-Kate and Ashley for sure. I'm already starting to see them for sure. I mean, this is a hard thing to swallow, like that they really, that their their childhood was sacrificed. Mm-hmm. And the way that the producers just said it, like it was just, it was a decision that they had no remorse for. Mm-hmm. Now we're at, so season two, they just catapult. There is an, an interesting anecdote where when they do the greetings for the studio audience, because that's the other part of this that I think people maybe don't totally Uh, take into consideration is that Mm -hmm. this wasn't just a show that was filmed um, and had a laugh track put on. It was filmed in front of a live studio audience. So on top of all of their childhood moments like happening on camera, it also happened in front of an audience, a literal audience that was then amplified by the millions of people watching at home. And when when the cast went out to do their greetings to all of the audience... People would clap, and when the the Olsen twins came out, people would give a standing ovation. Yeah, that so. is <laughs> insane. Yeah, they, I mean, that just shows how popular they were, but also, yeah, how much pressure was on them and also on the show. Like, that's... Yeah. People were obsessed with them. Yeah, they were. And this was, this was just seasons two and three, mind you. This is when it was just them making $4,000 a week, and their parents were managing them, and they had no legal representation at all. Which then leads me to Adria later encouraged her dad to be like, hey, I'm seeing what's going on here, how much people are obsessed with your daughters. You should probably ask for more money. Yeah. And then they started making $25,000 an episode, which is pretty good for a three-year-old in the 90s. Pretty good. And who was responsible for making them have $25,000 an episode? Pop quiz, Becca. Uh, Thorne, Who was Robert responsible? Thorne. Robert Thorne, fix your hair. <laughs> Robert sorry. Thorne, fix your hair is right. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is not a like drag people podcast, but like, do yourself a favor and Google Robert Thorne. There's so many things he could have done with it. Like, he just has, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be mean, but like his bald spot, I'm doing it. His bald spot, <laughs> but then he has like hair in front of it. Yeah, he like, just didn't want to shave the last like piece of hair that was holding part. on. The front yeah. part. Just the front part. Just fix the front part, and then you'll just be a normal person with a bald spot. But it's like bald, and then there's hair in the front. I can't explain it's it. Really it's, it's distracting. really distracting. It's really distracting. It's distracting. Maybe that was his thing because it was like, oh, he'll get he'll get whatever they want because people are just so distracted by his hair and they don't want to be rude because they weren't listening. So they're like, yeah, whatever, we'll do it. <laughs> Here's yeah, the just... contract. <laughs> You got to make light of Robert Thorne because this is really where their life like completely changes. changes. And I'm very interested in Robert Thorne. I feel like he is a very interesting character. I just like for some reason I'm just like what is because he comes in as their savior basically in so many ways. But I'm also just like what is his I just want to like dig deeper into him. I don't know why. There's just something about him that like really intrigues me. The way that he talked and his involvement in their lives did not seem like an entertainment lawyer. It seemed like he was like 100% responsible for everything in their career. He seemed like their manager, which is so interesting. And he was a producer and he produced a lot of their stuff and he never produced a movie after New York Minute. So I deal. I I don't know. I I'm I can't wait to learn more about Robert Thorne throughout this podcast because I think it's a really 
unturned stone. Yeah, really. And yeah, because and he started dual star with them, and like he yeah. was like the one who like made them do to grandmother's house we go and everything. Not made them, got them the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but, we'll get into what, yeah, how next, that happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was 1990 that Robert Thorne gets put into the picture, mm-hmm. and this is where you start to see a cascade of TV appearances. Also, the Michelle Tanner doll, which, whew, whew, okay. So we have an an appearance on some weird uh, TV show, Lifestyles of Little Stars, which is an adorable video. We'll link to it. Um, They presented at the Emmys with Bob Saget. They were on Arsenio Hall's show. Yeah. They were on which, Regis and Kathy Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Arsenio Hall was actually one of the only ones I watched where I wasn't like, oh. Like, they actually seemed to be having fun. Although it also made it, like, very clear how shy Ashley is and, like, made yeah. me really sad. Like, she, yeah. I mean, that was the thing that they, like, it just seemed like Ashley never wanted to do this. Like, Mary mm-hmm. Kate seemed like she was more, like, outgoing and, like, into it and was having fun. But they said, like, Basically, like, Mary-Kate did all of the... Like, she was the main Michelle, basically. Yeah, and then especially those got, early years. Yeah, and whenever she got tired, Ashley would come in. And at one point, I think they, like, proposed to fire Ashley once they got old enough. And <gasps> I think Bob uh, Bob Saget or John Stamos, I had to check, like, advocated for them not to do that. But, like, Ashley <gasps> was really, like, the, the backup. And, oh, like... Wow. When they were babies, too, like, anytime Ashley was, like, brought onto set, she would cry. Like, I really think she – that's the other thing that I think we need to be mindful of when we do this is I do think, like, people tend to, like, generalize them as if they're one person, but they are two mm-hmm. individuals. So, like, if something impacts Mary-Kate one way, it could be completely a completely different experience for Ashley. Like, I know that they're still very close and they've gone through everything in life together, but – Yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily the same – experience for both of them that is a really good point to make because uh i don't think we've stressed it enough through all of these things that i have seen and through the source materials of these tv appearances you can see such a stark difference between them yeah um there's definitely a difference in days too because there's a lot of these where they both just seem very tired yeah and we would be remiss not to talk about the QVC shopping channel video. Oh my god. That is the most okay, we will <sighs> link to that, but that is the most uncomfortable, like sad, depressing thing. Yeah. I've I ever I, seen. I have to blame the adults. Every adult who who made the decision to allow that to happen, I the the hosts, Adria Later, the producers, yeah. I don't know if Robert Thorne or Dave Olson or Jani, Jarni Olson were in there. Someone should have seen, like, please don't, like, they're done. Yeah. We need to, like, sell the doll without them. Like, just yeah. sell the doll without them. Yeah, it's not making it You're any selling better a to doll. Have, yeah, they're selling the Mary-Kate Nashley doll, and Mary-Kate Nashley are there to sell it. And I think, honestly, I think the people and it cannot distinguish like a doll from a human like I think they're just like why isn't it why isn't it working it's like a fucking person like they're tired they're They're uncomfortable they don't want to be there they're not able to be on in the way that they can be sometimes because they're little kids yeah and they shouldn't be expected to be they are not adult celebrities who just do press all the time which also maybe we should be rethinking how we do press and how we treat people and how we like see celebrities as walking billboards rather than real people who are creative people who need time to decompress and actually like if you want them to do the thing you love them to do you probably need to give them a lot more space than we allow them to have yeah we we want so much from them 
and we just take and we think because they're in the public eye we can take whatever we want from them did you see the Billie Eilish documentary I did I did yeah yes. I, I this really reminded me it. of that moment when, too when it was like after one of her shows and she was just completely exhausted and she had to go out and like say hi to all these people and hug them and whatever and all these people were like demanding and she told her mom she's like I don't want to do that like I don't feel good I yeah I'm exhausted I just performed I don't know who these people are that are like calling my name I don't know if they're important I don't know if they're random they're all hugging me like they all want yeah. this stuff for me and I'm uncomfortable and she was like she was a kid and she had to do it and I think and she was starting great. to have a, like a Tourette's like yes she was episode yes, yes in that it's I like, forgot in that same yeah. exact time and then she was talking about how like someone was like online was like oh like you met my friend and you were rude and she was just like can we not put me in a position I mean she is like very self-aware and so are her parents and they realized that this wasn't good for her but like yeah she was like can you not put me in a position where people are like you're rude like I am like everyone is trying to get all this from me I'm trying to say that I can't do this right now and then Mm -hmm. you make me do it anyway and of course I'm gonna like what do you expect from me? Like, no, yeah. but Mary and Ashley were two years old. Like, they're not, like, yes, maybe they'll have, like, a tantrum and be like, Mommy, I don't want to do it. But, like, I mean, honestly, that should be enough. But, like, yeah. they're not able to articulate it the way that Billie Eilish could. I also don't think that people before now felt like it was in their rights to, like, have such yes. self-respect, which is its own thing. I um, absolutely agree. And I, I do think, I, I, I saw where you were going talking about Billie Eilish's parents, too. Because I also think, especially from what that documentary shows, um, it seems like they are very responsible parents of a megastar, right. which is not easy. And it seems like that that's just what I remember taking from it, too, was that this is actually kind of an impossible job. Yeah. And like, it's so, like, Billy is so lucky that she has that support system and she has people around her because her mom was crying in the kitchen for that one scene being like, I don't know how people do this without somebody around them who yeah. loves them more than anything in the world. Yeah. And I thought that that was so poignant and sweet. And I just can't help but think that like, you know, Billy is going to grow up and she's not going to be able to be surrounded by her parents all the time. So, and, and as adults... You also need people to be looking out for you sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know. I This is all making me really rethink celebrity in Same. a lot of ways. Oh, me too. And I think I think so much because for me, my like my frame of reference for celebrity growing up was Mary-Kate and Ashley. Same. And I just like dreamed about a life that was like theirs. I dreamed about being, being friends with them. Like never for a minute did I ever think like – this is this like terrible damaging thing mm-hmm. you're famous people love you you get to do cool stuff like what what could be bad about that yeah. and I always wanted to be famous like I was like who Same. wouldn't who wouldn't want to be famous and it was only it's only in the last few years where I'm just like I straight up like never want to be famous like it seems <laughs> like a cur- like it just seems like I mean I am an anxious person and like mm-hmm. I just feel like you have to be so so strong and so thick-skinned and it still breaks you yeah I I agree I absolutely agree and I I don't know how you could as a parent like predict this would happen because even me and you before before doing this research before seeing the Billy the Eilish documentary before seeing framing Britney Spears I feel like I still was like, wow, being a celebrity is the best thing that could ever happen to you. And there's just so many of these things that are like showing me that like this, our whole society has not really thought about how actually bad it can be for the people in these positions because we just see the money. We see the beautiful houses. We see the beautiful red carpets and we assume 
that equals happiness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it's like, otherwise, what would, like, I think it's also just sort of like, that is the pinnacle of succeeding at life. And it's like, if that's bad, what even are we doing? Yeah. Like, Britney Spears is not an anomaly. We just don't know about everybody else. But I believe that it's kind of, not everyone is treated as extremely as Britney was, but like, it's probably yeah. really crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because the other thing that we are talking about is we are talking about a very top echelon of people. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, Britney Spears, Billie Eilish. I mean, m- maybe people have arguing opinions about whether they are all equally famous celebrities. I would argue they are all quite up there in at least recognition. Yeah, not even in terms of like respect, but like Mary-Kate and Ashley... Like, I think people would be like, oh, they're, like, lower brow. But, like, they are still incredibly recognized. Everybody knows who Mary-Kate now. Like, they are... Unless you're too young to know who they are. Yeah, unless you're... Yeah. But everyone who's our age or, like... Yeah, everyone knows who they are. They are are under a microscope. They're in the spotlight. Them at at their peak of celebrity was pretty as high as you can get as a celebrity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, not in terms of respect... But, like, in terms of, like, exposure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yes. There's this moment of the Regis and Kathy Lee interview that I do want to highlight as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a moment when um, they're, like, interviewing them. And they're talking about, uh, oh, you're going to go to – so they're they're in New York for the first time. And uh, they're like, oh, you're going to go – travel the city aren't you you're gonna have a big party tomorrow at fao schwartz oh yeah and you're gonna promote your new album and your new video and my heart just sunk yeah. like there, she's she's talking to like two little five-year-olds yeah. about like the exciting day in new york that they have or six years old about the exciting day that they're gonna go they're gonna go to fao schwartz the pinnacle of dreamland for children and they're gonna go to promote their album oh, i know they don't I even have... know what that means it was just like of course they're not just on a trip with their family they're on a like a work thing like huh this is for work Ugh. imagine like being born and this is this is what the world is like this is your life like they have so the seasons of full house are like from september till may a normal school year and then in the summertime they are working their freaking butts off oh my god they don't have a life because the shooting the the school year of their show is already like so jam-packed they have to go to like like filming and then go to school and then do press probably within that oh god i compare it to and that's why i think they like leaned into their celebrity for so long and then distanced themselves because i think it was just like they didn't know anything else right this would yeah this would all be normal that's also why i think they i mean i had this thought and then i learned more about uh robert thorne but like I think that's why, like, I felt like that was why they, like, created their own brands and, like, did Dual Star and did their own stuff. It was just sort of like, okay, like, if we're going to be in this world, we have to, like, own it and pretend it was our idea. And, like... Yeah. We'll figure this out, hopefully. (laughs) But I really can't tell right now if Robert Thorne helped them or made it worse. And there might... it, It might not be that binary. It might be... 
it might be a mix of both. But I think that is, I agree, I think that is one of the big questions of this podcast that we're going to get to the bottom of at some point. I mean, not at some point, throughout our investigations. But like, yes, I agree. Like, yes, he came in, he helped them, he got them more money, he gave them, to grandmother's house we go, he gave them like a company, he didn't give them a company, they were producers, but like, he made all of that possible. But like, he created opportunities for them to just perpetuate the like, performance monkeys that they were yeah but and he also helped them like take control of it like people were pulling them in all sorts of different directions and they were kind of like these these stars and he like that were just kind of burning out like crazy and he i i really don't know i don't want to like assume that this like bad haired white old rich (laughs) money obsessed guy like helped like that's i really doubt that that's the case i just like I know. I wonder, I really wonder what the, like, was he, like, also, did he ever, like, be like, oh, the, there's so much potential that they could have just by owning all of this? Yeah, I don't. But I, I'm sure he. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll figure we'll find it out. out. It's probably bad. <laughs> it's probably bad. I think it's also, like, when the fame and the eyes on you, when that's all you know, and then Full House ended abruptly, and they didn't know how to, they didn't expect it. Like, even if it's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, I'm on this show, and it feels weird, and I don't like it, it's like, what else, like, all of that praise is gone, and they need to, like, chase that high again. So it's like, even if they don't like growing up in front of the camera, it's like, this is literally the only way that they get happiness and validation and like feel like the good versions of themselves and also they probably felt like people expected this from it's their worth it's their worth and their self-worth and yeah exactly you know they're they you also see in these interviews their like their joy that they get especially in the arsenio hall interview when they can make the audience laugh that also really stuck out to me like they got so much joy out of seeing the audience like and they were so like I said they grew up in front of an audience so there is part of that that ends up being like attached to you right so and it's like do you even do you even like it or is this just the only way that you can get and I know that that's something that happens with you know like comedians or like actors who are adults like that you live for that praise but it's just really sad when literally you came out of the womb and that was your framework for the for the world. How much can they possibly enjoy this praise when it's really expected of them? Yes. And that's where, that's how they get A's in school. <sighs> yes, like, that's them being good kids getting A's. You're so right. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I. Well, okay, here we are. All their TV appearances, they're doing all this press. Um, while filming to grandmother's house, we go, um, Mm -hmm. because that was the creator, Jeff Franklin, the creator of full house decides to make a vehicle for them to show them as the two of them in a project together, playing two different characters. So the world can see them as two people and not Mm -hmm. just one Michelle Tanner. And that's where, that's where we end this. Yeah. Yeah. Our next episode, we're going to go into their, uh, to Grandmother's House We Go, and their kind of launch into made-for-TV movies, and then their own music videos, and kind of the start of Mary-Kate and Ashley as a brand removed from Full House. Mm-hmm. Well, some of it yeah. is still Full House, because Full House yeah, will be have... over until 95, but yeah. Exactly. We have about like three, two, three seasons left of uh, Full House. This is the, the, we have the movie that's coming out with the two of them. And 
things are going to change after that. Yeah. They're going to be clearly the stars. And this is when everything changes. Just like last episode, we are going to end this with a game. And I think we both feel a little weird about that because yes. uh, it's like we're talking about like childhood trauma and now we're like peanut butter or jelly. <laughs> uh, but I do think that like I think that the more we know the like deeper our understanding of all this is and I think like yeah we'll let this be informed by the real Mary Kate and Ashley and not just by their sporty and girly personas absolutely let's do one uh hmm we should write these out ahead of time (laughs) I know I was thinking that I should think I did okay I thought of one earlier okay feels again really weird now but um oh you know what we could do we could what? use like what from what we talked about as the like, the duos that we've talked about so we've we've talked about britney spears a lot in this mm. episode yeah so britney or christina who's who oh wow jeez. okay um i think britney is mary kate and christina is ashley yep that's what i was gonna say yep that's Why? exactly what i was gonna say so I think that uh, Britney Spears is has a little bit more of that X factor. I love Christina Aguilera and I love Ashley Olsen. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like uh, Britney Spears and Mary Kate have a little bit more of a natural ease performing, mm-hmm. and and are in that way a little bit more naturally outgoing and more, mm-hmm. a little bit more easily for them to be like naturally themselves and authentically themselves, especially on camera. Yeah. And whereas Ashley and Christina are definitely more serious yeah. and I think have a little bit more of a, they're private. They're definitely more private and ha- maybe have a little bit more of an identity crisis issue. Yeah. <laughs> but then maybe not. Ashley seems pretty secure with herself, but I just think that they're both just a little bit more introspective, uh, Mm. Christina and Ashley. What was your reasoning? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of that is similar. Uh, I think also because Britney Spears is just sort of the main pop star of that time. And Christina (laughs) is like almost like, I don't know. I feel like Mary Kate was the actor. She was the charismatic one. She was the one who really wanted to be there. I'm not saying Christina didn't want to be there. I don't know much about her, so I'm not going to speak on that. Uh, but, like, I do think it, like, yeah, Britney Spears was, like, the main one. Well, yeah, there was also the thing of, like, Christina, whether it was her, or it was mostly probably her, the team that she was working with, always chasing Britney, like, doing yeah. what Britney was doing. And yeah. what have we seen in this episode? But Ashley just having to chase Mary Kate and doing yeah. what Mary... Yeah. Okay, uh, Billie Eilish and Phineas. <laughs> oh! <laughs> dang it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think I know. Okay, yeah, me too. You go. I think Billie Eilish is Mary-Kate and Phineas is Ashley. Yeah, same. <laughs> I think they could both be both, but I feel like Billie mm-hmm. Eilish is so loose and open and expressive and outgoing mm-hmm. and, like, just, like, doesn't give a shit, like, whatever, but is still, like, a really good charismatic entertainer. I think yeah. Phineas is obviously, like more in the background but still like a crucial part of it and I think that he is a little bit more serious seeming and just kind of like I mean because he's not the main performer too it's like he's just like a little less he's less in the spotlight and he's less like in your face yeah I think he's more calculated Mm -hmm. like he he feels like he's always thinking like a a few steps ahead yeah and 
that's maybe the biggest difference is Phineas seems genuinely happy to give his sister the spotlight. Yeah. And what was Ashley but that? Right, exactly. Yeah, that yeah. is really true. Yeah. Should yeah. we do one more, like a fun one and then go? Or Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's do Dave Coulier and John Stamos. Okay, 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 cool. Uh, okay. Um, What's depressing? That is a really hard one, too. Um, uh-huh. Oh, that is hard. Like, yeah, right? Like the Cuz I had like an initial I thought and then I was like, "Wait, no, but it could be I, the other okay. way." This is a little surface level, but I am going to say that Dave Coulier is No. <laughs> I'm going to switch it. I'm going to say that Dave Coulier is Ashley and John Stamos is Mary Kate. Okay. I'm going to go I was thinking the opposite, so I'm going to do it so that we can okay. have a disagreement cuz okay. I was saying that Dave Coulier was um Mary-Kate and John Stamos is Ashley. Dave Coulier, I mean, there is the obvious surface level of he's just wackier and sillier with better comedic timing. And John Stamos is always the one who's very put together and very, uh, has the good outfit on. So it is very surface level, but a lot because I don't actually know the two of them very Mm -hmm. well because I didn't watch Full House. But I also do think that John Stamos maybe has a little bit more of a measured and uh, less of an easygoing attitude, especially in the way that he tried to get them fired so many times. That's fair. So that feels like Ashley energy. Yeah. (laughs) Where Mary Kate is much more like go with it, roll with it. Yeah, that's fair. So I did this assignment a little differently. Um, I (laughs) did their characters, not their the people. Oh, Uh, that's good. yeah. So I feel like so I at first I was going to say that Mary Kate was uh was Dave Coulier and Ashley was uh John Stamos slash Uncle Jesse. But I think that Mary Kate is Uncle Jesse just because like while Joey is a comedian and a performer, I think that John Stamos still is more of like a leading man and ha- and takes the spotlight more mm. and is Mm -hmm. funny also in this kind of like charming way whereas I feel like Joey is like kind of just more like goofy and like in my head when I think of Full House I know you didn't watch it so maybe that's uh yeah but like in my head when I think of Full House like John Stamos is just like a bigger bolder character than than Dave Coulier and Um, Dave Coulier just kind of gets the job done yeah exactly and he's not someone you're interested in like as a character as much like he just seems like naturally like the the least important of the three um i also want to say i really like ashley olsen i feel like in these comparisons it can kind of maybe sound like we have a preference when i i actually genuinely was always an ashley olsen girl yeah well i think that's so interesting just in terms of like how we view like charisma and outgoingness because it's like yeah we're saying mary kate is outgoing she's a bolder one she's a more memorable whenever but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's like better it's just she's yes. just the one that you like look at more because she's doing more but like yeah not not more in general but just like more out there i don't know no, yeah like she has what their work ethics are or anything but like yeah there's that x factor we love ashley we love ashley we love ashley we love them both we hope yeah. we do right by them in this podcast we do and we hope we do right by you thank you so much for listening to our second episode um we can't wait to talk to you next week and dive into dual star yeah follow us on instagram yeah follow us on instagram <laughs> at they thought i was you and we'll see you next week see you next week bye, bye.